Baylor basketball. No sleep till Brooklyn. This is Locked On Baylor. You are Locked On Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Baylor brought to you by Prize Picks, and thank you for making it your first listen today and every day. Baylor Nation, I'm your host, Cam Stewart, talking a little basketball today. We do have some football on the docket at the end of the show, um, but it's basketball season, let's face it. As the football team prepares for its last game of the year, so a week from now, less than that, we can just focus, focus, focus on basketball full-time because you've got two awesome basketball teams on this campus. Two top 10, if you go by Ken Palm, basketball programs on this campus. And first and foremost, we've got the men playing tonight in Brooklyn, taking on the Oregon State Beavers at whatever the name is. Barclays? Barclays Arena? All right. In Brooklyn, it is the first of two times uh, the Bears will be in the Big Apple, and it's a little three-day tournament over Thanksgiving, just what we like, two games. So they'll play Oregon State tonight and then face the winner of Florida and Pitt, both of whom are much better teams than Oregon State. None of them are as good as Baylor. First thing that I want to point out in this uh, this start to the season, because a lot of this is going to be looking at the first couple of games, how Baylor's done. It's been, you know, it's going to be their first game in over a week. But before that, they played four games in eight days. And yes, they were two game or two sets of two games within about 70 hours at the most. Huh. Yeah. I think Scott Drew might have done that on purpose. It's the most congested schedule they had to start a season in 10 years. And when I think back to the final games of the last two seasons for Baylor, you'll remember they had the 25-point comeback against North Carolina two years ago and then kind of ran out of gas in overtime, unfortunately. A game that, you know, the team that comes back and forces overtime wins nine times out of ten, but Baylor just didn't quite have the gas in the tank. And then last year, after having a back-and-forth first half, but I believe having a one-point lead at halftime um, for Baylor, a deficit of one against Creighton, they kind of ran out of gas. Hmm. And we know every year how they do in the Big 12 tournament. They boycott that. They go anyway, but they don't. They refuse to win in it. And so you had two. You've twice. You've had two games in three day spans. You're going to have another one this week in an NBA arena against Power Five teams. So I think I have this little hunch, and maybe it's the worst kept secret that Scott Drew is trying to get his team ready for tournament basketball, baby. Which is great. Which is great. Because there is no substitute for playing that kind of schedule, non-conference. That's when it comes into play. And, and Scott Drew has been so focused, I think, on getting great competition in the non-conference schedule and not necessarily so much the, the two games in three days. But this year, he just decided to do both because you've still got Michigan State. You've still got Duke. You've got some great out-of-conference games before heading into the Big 12 slate. So that's not necessarily going to be this week. But again, three Power 5 teams in Brooklyn with you. 
um, a couple of which could absolutely make the tournament, and you're playing two in three days. So that is important for Baylor. We talk about that next step, you know, obviously still building off the national championship, but to then get out of the first weekend, which they haven't done since winning the national championship. I think this is very, very smart by a very smart man in Scott Drew. So they'll do that for the third time, playing that two games in three days. And it starts off with Oregon State, which, like pretty much all of its history, is not a good basketball team. Not a good basketball team at all. And you think we were ready to get Dave Aranda out the door in football. This Oregon State coach is his ninth season, and he's 29 games under 500. They have won a combined 14 games in the last two years. So this is not good. Where I think it could be nice for Baylor is on the defensive side for the Bears. This team is not good, but when you're going into a game in an NBA arena and it's a power five opponent, you can't take them lightly. And mentally, you know, even though a team like Gardner Webb might well be better than this Oregon State team, it, it doesn't say Oregon State on the front of Gardner Webb's jerseys. You know, that's what you see. You see power five teams. And so I think this could really help their confidence because they do have a couple of guys who can score. Uh, they've got one guy who's over 20 points a game this year. But overall, they're a, a bad, a bad three-point team. They're not a very good offensive team at all. They they just lost by 20 to Nebraska, who some people say is decent, but Nebraska, who's never won a tournament game in their history. And at one point in that game, they went 10 minutes without scoring. So, uh, and, and they're 198th in offensive efficiency this year, uh, according to Ken Palm. So this is this is not a good team at all. And speaking of Ken Palm, Baylor's number 10 in that, number 13 in, in the poll, but number 10 in Ken Palm where it matters. Oh, or Palm oh, said Oklahoma State. Oregon State all the way down at 177. <gasps> That's terrible. Not as good as teams like Radford, DePaul, or Oakland. Oakland University in Michigan. Um, this is a, a very, very bad basketball team. So tonight should be an easy Baylor victory. I know it's a power five team. You can't take nothing for granted. It should be an easy victory. Then again, look across town, downtown Madison square garden, just three nights ago, the Texas Longhorns needed a buzzer beater to beat a team that won four. Yes. Four basketball games last year, the Louisville Cardinals. In fact, they needed the only two guys in the Louisville's rotation of any height to foul out and get all these offensive rebounds at the end of the game and a buzzer beater to beat a four-win Louisville squad. So don't take them too lightly is what I'm trying to say, but you as the fan you should reasonably expect a Baylor victory by 20 plus points and would love to see the defense take another step up. Like they've shown in spurts this year, um, Kansas city, they played really well, um, but they showed it in spurts against Gardner Webb, Um, and they showed it in spurts against Auburn for a game that they gave up 82 points. I thought the defense actually played pretty well. So here's another opportunity to build up that confidence after you know, a week off to work on some things. 
Um, you're going to get a lot of guys in the rotation once again tonight um, to make sure those bodies are fresh for the matchup on Friday, which is going to be either Florida or Pitt, who just since I'm throwing out the Ken Palm numbers now, Florida 37, Pitt number 40. So those are tournament range right there. Um, and Florida is playing in a good, good SEC this year. So that could be a good RPI win if it's against them. Pitt, on the other hand, is playing in the ACC, which is not as good, but that might mean that they're a tournament team. So um, it's good competition without having to really stress yourself out before playing a Michigan State and a Duke. And Fran Fraschilla's on the call. Ah, so it's a big game. I mean, guys, any game that's going to be on ESPN this year is probably going to have Fran Fraschilla, our personal favorite. So you will have to deal with that a little bit. But we've got a busy Thanksgiving week coming up ahead and plenty of chances to watch this game, these games in all sports with a little bit extra interest involved. And that extra interest comes by playing prize picks. Prize picks is one of my favorites to use. It is also the number one daily fantasy sports platform in North America. And now that you've got basketball here, you can cross over in the specials league doing both football and basketball bets at the same time. So with that, you can use those common projections. You can do things like LeBron James and Travis Kelsey, 10 and a half catches plus three pointers. Okay. So even if one of them has a down game, the other one goes off, you've got it. And it gives you vested interest in a couple of different games, a couple of different sports. So fun to do. And you can play alongside some of your favorite players like Meek Mill, He's a big fan of prize picks, and he'll have his picks in the community's page, the community plays page, I should say, that you can see what he's betting on and go along with him. So check that out for obviously a lot of college basketball this week, but the NBA is still, is still going strong, as well as the NFL with games, three games on Thursday this week. So a lot of chances on this Thanksgiving week to get into prize picks. So what you got to do, though, you got to go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and then use the code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use the code locked on college for that first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. And Sticking with basketball for a little bit more, and this was something that kind of got lost in the fold with all these football rumors and, and obviously being right in the middle of football season still had to kind of focus on that the last week or so since Baylor didn't have any games. But last week they had signing day and got some good, good players through the door. Uh, Baylor did to sign their NLI. One player they didn't get is the one I'll start with, and that is Trey Johnson the number one recruit in the 2024 class shooting guard out of, out of Lake Highlands. He's playing in, in uh, Missouri this year for uh, one of those schools. I don't know. He's actually going to be playing in Texas again this weekend in a tournament that starts on Black Friday. So if you want to still see him, go check him out. But he had narrowed his list down to Baylor and Texas as recently as last month saying, hey, the best college basketball is being played here. Why would I go anywhere else? And last week, he committed to Rodney Terry and the Longhorns. I got to be honest with you guys. I was surprised by it. 
I was dejected by it, to be honest with you. Um, but I was really surprised he ended up going with Texas. You just look at the track records of these programs the last couple of years, and by no means has Texas been bad. Of, of course not. Um, but look at the basketball programs and the coaching staffs and the stability and the guys going into the league, and especially at the guard position, I'm thinking, really? I thought Baylor was a shoe-in at that point. When you narrow it down to those two, I was thinking, well, this is Baylor's to lose. And they were one of the first ones to offer him. They have been on the Trey Johnson train since day one. Um, his dad played at Baylor, um, but his favorite player growing up, and now a guy he actually works out with in the summer is Kevin Durant. So there was pretty good push-pull on each side in terms of influence. But I was surprised the way that Scott Drew develops these guards, the way he uses these guards, um, I thought would be super beneficial to Trey Johnson, who I thought would be working or playing a lot like Jacoby Walter is this year, uh, more so than maybe a Keontae George with that kind of length that he has on top of the athleticism and the way he can score um, at all places on the floor, realistically. I mean, he could be a slasher and a driver just as much as he is a three-point shooter, whereas Keontae George was you know, a guy who could score from a lot of different places, but it lights out, three-point shooter. And uh, I... I Thought of his offensive game a lot like someone like a Devin Booker or even a Jimmy Butler um, was the comparison that I liked. A guy who can just get to his spots, know where he needs to be offensively, know where he needs to be to score the rock. And so with that, I was surprised to see Texas. The stability they've had at head coach has not been great, obviously, with Chris Beard having to leave the program in shame last year, now taking the job at Ole Miss. And Rodney Terry steered that ship pretty well. They made to, they made it to the Elite Eight. He's been there through a couple of different head coaches, uh, Rodney Terry has. So I, I don't, you know, not to say he's going to be a bad coach or anything. We just don't know a lot about him. Don't know a lot about him. And for a kid like Trey Johnson, who is obviously being recruited a lot by Chris Beard, to then step in and say, hey, you know, I still I still like this program. Credit to Rodney Terry. That's a, That's a big win for UT to bring in the number one recruit in the nation. Who thought we'd be saying that in any sport? It would be a big win for UT to, to land the number one recruit over Baylor. But that's exactly what it was. Uh, we saw it with uh, Eve Misi was put off by Chris Beard leaving. That He had it down to basically Baylor in Texas. And I think a big reason why he chose Baylor was just because Chris Beard wasn't going to be at UT anymore. And again, the, the development of guards you know, going in the lottery <laughs> um, Davion Mitchell and um, and Keontae George, Kobe Walter, Jeremy Sohan, point guard, Jeremy Sohan. He did play some guard at Baylor for a couple of games, uh, but what an impact he's having with the Spurs at point guard. He's a he's a unicorn at that position. But uh, Baylor's been able to de develop guards. To quote our guy Fran, more guards than Buckingham Palace. So they had a chance at the number one recruit in the nation for the first time ever. They miss out on it. So is Baylor going to miss having a guy like Trey Johnson? Look, you always want number one. I'm not going to say they're better off without him. But I think Texas needed that recruit more so than Baylor did. And the reason why, and something that kind of got lost in my frustration with not getting Trey Johnson is they're bringing in two really good players, two four, five-star players who signed last week, and Robert Wright and Jason Asimota. So is it one of those cases of, ah, they didn't need him? 
No, but kind of, but kind of. So Asamoda is a guy who I love watching play. He is, he's just got NBA written all over him. Okay. I mean, obviously you do as a four or five star, but this kid, the six, eight with the long wingspan, he, he upgraded, he moved on to uh Hillcrest um, and dropped his average down from 22 to 16 points a game at a much higher level of competition. He was still averaging 16 and eight. And this kid can slash and cut. And I think, I think he is going to be a great on ball defender at Baylor. Just that, that kind of build, which is something I was excited about for Trey Johnson as well at that six, six from the guard position. But this is a wing. Jason Asamoda is a wing guy who can be a better version of Jalen Bridges, I think. Jalen Bridges is a heck of a player. So you're getting a good one in Asamoda. And the one who is lighting up the score sheets and the one making the headlines is actually Robert Wright, who was just all world when he was playing in Pennsylvania, led them to a state title in another state championship game, averaged over 20 points a game as a sophomore and a junior. Uh, I mean, this kid can light it up. And now he has also upgraded his high school game by going to Montverde, which you have heard of. It's one of the top programs in the nation. Ben Simmons um, was a Montverde guy. And he is still making plays there. Everyone around there loves having him. And he doesn't pop off the page or as high in the rankings as Asimoda does because he's only 6'1 and 180. Uh, but you watch this kid's tape and you know, you might not say, oh, pro prospect the way you do with Jason Asimoda, but what you see is a basketball player, just a basketball player. So many times in these hoop mixtapes, you just see guys who are so athletic that they can't fail, right? Then, I mean, Trey Johnson has a little bit of that. He, he's a better player than that, but I, I don't want to discredit him, but you see just the athleticism jumping off the page. The one that springs to mind for me was Nerlens Noel. Remember that name, Nerlens Noel, about 10, 12 years ago? Uh, number one recruit in the country out of, out of Tilton in New Hampshire. A great prep program. And he ended up going to Kentucky, and he was just such a freak athlete that you almost didn't even know what his position was. He was a shot blocker who would slash to the basket, would sometimes handle the ball. So you didn't know if he was a small forward or or a point guard, or even a power forward. I think he's like 6'8", 6'6", 6'8". But with good size and athleticism, and he only played a year at Kentucky, and he was hurt in that year too, and he got to the NBA, and lo and behold, they didn't know what his position was. <laughs> he was a shot blocker who was really athletic, not as athletic before the injury, and he could handle the ball a little bit. But he wasn't a shooter. He didn't have a defined offensive game, and a lot of guys are like that the four or five stars coming out of high school, but you say this kid just has so much potential. Robert Wright has potential, but he's also the opposite of that. He is a basketball player. He's got a feel for the game. He is a good shooter. He's a good playmaker. You can just see it. You know, you say that kid's a basketball player, not just an athlete who happens to play basketball. He is a basketball player. And I'm going to be saying that about him over and over and over again. Um, and then they got this kid, Boy Ed, uh, coming from junior college, who is a who is who is a, an athlete who happens to play basketball, but that's only because he's still really raw. He's coming from St. Lucia. Um, it's really only his second. This would be like his third year playing organized basketball, um, and still in JUCO, averaged eleven and nine on fifty-seven percent shooting. So, 
Uh, Raw, yes, but knows his role. And I think that's that that to me sounds like Josh Ojaluna is what that sounds like, or even Jonathan Chamochachua uh, sounds a lot like that. And as you could probably tell, Scott Drew can use those guys and use those guys well. And speaking of coaches, there's one who I love in college football who might well be on Baylor's radar. But first, for those looking for a job, much like this next guy I'm going to be talking about, they have got to look at LinkedIn Talent Solutions, another sponsor of today's video, because these days, every new potential hire can feel like high-stakes warfare for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. So what you do is you add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame, add it to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And it's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So they're going to find who you want to talk to and they're going to do it faster than anybody else. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Shifting it back to football a little bit. Now, if you put a gun to my head and said, is Dave Randa going to be the head coach for the Baylor Bears next year? I'd say probably yes. Do we want it? No, we don't. But it looks like, and if I had to guess, that will probably be the case. Uh, but a report coming out today, this is from Don Harris, a reporter down in San Antonio, so covering a lot of UTSA for News 4 San Antonio, says, if A&M passes on Jeff Trailer, I'm told by respected college football sources that Baylor and Arkansas will be waiting in line if they move on from current coaches. Now, we've heard from Arkansas that it sounds like they're going to stay with Sam Pittman. You know, we also heard from Jarrett Stidham that that he needed Baylor Nation to stick with him before transferring two weeks later, so take that for what that's worth. But when a name like Jeff Trailer becomes available, they might not want to keep Sam Pittman. But that all kind of goes with this discourse around A&M and what their coaching search is like, and... Everyone and their dog, as soon as Jimbo was fired, was saying, Mike Elko, welcome back. Welcome back, my friend. And yet we we really haven't heard his name all that much. Um, and I think that's mainly because we knew or we know that Jeff Trailer, the UTSA head coach, was in College Station for an interview. We have not heard the same about Mike Elko. And when you don't hear that, you're thinking, well, are they even thinking about Elko? Or is that just something that we thought of because it was convenient? If I, I hope they're not listening to this, but if I'm A&M, I might well stick with Jeff Trailer. I really like Jeff Trailer. I like what he's done at UTSA a ton. And we have seen the successful Texas high school football coach succeed in college. The last 15 years, we have seen that. None more so than us here at Baylor. Art Riles was the most successful, but it's been hit or miss in the past. 
Um, the name that comes to mind is Todd Dodge, going from South Lake Carroll, the dynasty he had there in the mid-2000s, up to UNT, based straight away from South Lake Carroll to UNT. And he was there for three years. I think he won five games. Uh, it, was a, it was a miserable tenure. And the, the more we look at it now, Art Bryles obviously is the most successful that. He was a legend in Texas high school football, a great career in college, coaching at Baylor mostly. Um, and someone like Joey McGuire, another legend at Cedar Hill, all these state championships. Uh, I think four in total, two back-to-back state championship runs. And he's on a heater at Tech. Uh, I know it's been kind of up and down for them this year, and and they were thought of as dark horses in the Big 12 to start the year. And I said from day one, that's probably a bit too much for this team. They won eight games last year. They've already won seven games this year. So, actually, just six. Yeah, six. I hope they win seven uh, on Black Friday. But he is he is building that program once again. So, right now, the the profile of a Texas high school football coach Looks pretty good. Looks pretty good having those ties and bringing bringing in people that will help you recruit Texas like like Matt Rule did. So all of those things are looking good. And and Jeff Trailer was a great high school football coach, but he's also been a pretty darn good college football coach the last couple of years. I mean, there was a campaign, what, two years ago for UTSA to, to be a dark horse for the playoff. I mean, they had this great undefeated season under, under Frank Harris. Uh, they've won conference championships under trailer. They're undefeated in the conference again. Um, this guy, if he was 10 years younger, would be the hottest name on the market. But I said instead he's in his 50s, and so it's not necessarily the case. 15 years younger, they'd be teams banging down the door to get him. But he has had some interest in the past. Tech wanted him two years ago um, and went with Joey McGuire instead. Uh, because Trailer turned them down, signed a huge extension at UTSA. Now, as I've said on this podcast before, time changes a lot. It's two years later. Trailer is probably thinking, I've done all I can at UTSA. And also, when turning down tech, and this is not a disrespect to tech, he would probably have done the same thing at Baylor if this was his mindset, was, you know, I think... If I stay here another year, maybe two, I can I can get somewhere better. I can get somewhere better than that. Well, if that was his thinking, he's played it right. Because if AM is going to offer him, that's a no-brainer to have turned down tech and instead made the jump to AM and make money hand over fist and potentially get paid seven and a half million bucks a year not to coach them when this is all over. But back to the original report. Baylor should be all over this guy. All over this guy. Truly. I mean, the I don't know UTSA's numbers exactly on this, but coaching a team in Conference USA the last two years, you got to hit the transfer portal hard, and you got to know what talent is out there. And maybe wherever it is, if it's A&M or Baylor or even Arkansas, you might see a lot of UTS, UTSA players playing for him at the, wherever that next stop is. So I think he'll probably know the transfer portal pretty well as someone who has uh, been at a lower lower level, FBS, um, has probably had to work on that even before the portal was, was a big thing. And the other thing, too, is he knows Texas. Obviously, there's no substitute for that. He knows Texas high school football. 
And is he going to come in and make Baylor a top 20 recruiting class because of that? No, he's not. But he is going to find the talent, a lot of talent that other teams don't find, the way Matt Rule did with his help from Joey McGuire and some of the other Texas guys he got on staff. Baylor is never going to be a team or a program that's bringing in a ton of five stars. What they will do is bring in three stars and turn them into five stars. Under this regime, they've brought in three stars and turned them into three stars. But under Matt Rule, certainly under Art Bryles, they would bring in three stars and, and unranked players and turn them in to some of the top players at their position in the Big 12 and in the nation. And I think Jeff Trailer can do that. You know why? Because UTSA isn't rolling in five stars either. They'd be lucky to get some three stars. And he has made them into a conference powerhouse. And one of the best group of five teams in the nation. Year after year after year. This is a slam dunk hire. I don't even care how old he is. <laughs> I don't care. In fact, he's in his 50s. That, that's perfect for Baylor. That's what Art was. It's enough time where he's probably got 15, 20 years of coaching left in him, potentially, at the most. And is also the time that in four or five years, when his stock is up again, he's probably not going to want to start over again. So that's perfect for a school like Baylor. Get the best years out of him as long as you can. And that's exactly what the plan was with our Bryles before it ended up falling through for good reason. And I think Jeff Trailer, in terms of that profile of a head coach, obviously he's not the up and down the field kind of distinctive offense that our Bryles brought, but he is the good parts of Art Bryles that you can bring in here. He's not as rah-rah as Bryles or Joey McGuire was, but he has shown he can run a program at a very high level for the school that he was at, knows Texas really well, knows how to recruit these kids, and knows how to develop them at the college level. So AM, please, Lord, take Mike Elko. Please, for the love of God. I've seen... I. Elko loves the male cheerleader thing. He loves the whoop and the midnight yell and that stupid stuff. Elko loves it. Take him, please. Please. I think he's going to be a much better fit for you. What do you think? You think A&M's actually going to get Elko? Like we had thought at the beginning? Do you think Jeff Trailer is a viable option for Baylor? Let me know what you think down in the comments. Be sure to like and subscribe the page. Any comment really helps. So even if you just want to trash me, I can take it. Go right ahead. Thank you for making Locked On Baylor your first listen today and every day. Super appreciate you guys. We're going to be back after the holiday. A very happy Thanksgiving to all of y'all. Be safe on the roads. Eat the mac and cheese. I, I don't, I don't, I can't stand the mac and cheese slander on Thanksgiving. Um, and fill up those bellies real good. Wear some damn sweatpants this weekend and tune into the football and basketball. We will be back on Saturday post game after the West Virginia debacle. I'm just going to get ahead of that. Call it that now. Thank you again, and we will see you after this. Happy Thanksgiving, Bears, and remember, this is always going to be Locked on Baylor.